This is episode number 370 of the Inner Fight Podcast. This is the Health and Fitness Show. Slightly different introduction. No big plug for our sponsors today, Andre. No big plug for writing a review. If you want to write a review, write a review. Yeah. Please. Just do it. Get I'm free. Up asking. Get You'll get free. some free stuff. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our new introduction. A little bit hardcore music at the start, and then we're straight into it. Talking today, mate. We're on to a focused topic. We had loads of good traction about our listener Q&A. Yeah, people really love that. I mean, people really love it. And they we really enjoy answering all, all the questions. I mean, we yeah. get so many. So, I mean, we try to really answer as many as we can. But absolutely, it's always a bit... Qu- it goes quite fast the time. It's funny, isn't it? You, you sort of look at them and you prepare them. And I'm like, oh, not sure if there's going to be quite 40 minutes here. And then we get into it and just get so... <laughs> And it's all, it's all gone. But listener Q&A is going super good, and we're getting some loads of good feedback on that. So thanks to everyone who's been in touch. It worked as well. I said I'd give out a YouTube video of the movement stuff. Yeah. I've had about 40 people. I even got another email today. So people are listening. Oh, wow. right? That's cool. super thankful. And I want to know exactly how people are doing as well, how that's going, if you're using that movement stuff. It's a simple thing. It's nowhere near the level of Andre's stuff. But if you're using it every day and you're starting to feel different, it's been a couple of weeks now. So people will start to feel different after two to three weeks. That's for sure. And maybe soon I'll come up with a 2.0 version of yours. Trump, Trump, Donald Trump. Junior version. Junior version. (laughs) Mate, mine's mine's like minus 2.0, I think. Masters. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We figured that today's episode, we would talk about writing a program, mate. We obviously get asked as coaches a lot, can you do me a specific program for this? You pump out a load of mobility programs. We program for people every day, be it personal training. We just had a meeting earlier today about our class program here at NFI. I write a lot of endurance programs. In the past, I've written stuff for, I mean, at the moment, I'm programming for CrossFit athletes to endurance athletes two marathons one 10k one ultra marathon one cycle like anyway yeah it's very broad it's very it's very broad mate but where i really want to kick this off is where it starts from in that someone says can you write me a program i think the first (laughs) step is that you sit down with that person and determines what is the goals with this program. Like, yeah. what are the goals for this client? What do they want to achieve? And why do they want to achieve this goal? Yeah. I think it's very easy to say you want to achieve <laughs> certain goals, but if you don't know exactly why you want it, yeah. you, won't, you won't make it because it's going to, once things get tough, you'll probably quit anyway. So I think the very, very first thing needs to be goal setting. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I agree with you, Matt. I get a lot of people in and like, it's a nice to have whether it's a, you know, oh, I want to put 10 kilos on my back squat or whether I want to run a marathon or something like that. But then when you actually get into it, okay, we're going to sit face to face. We're going to start to break this down. This is what you have to do. Yeah. What sort of facial expressions do you see from people in those meetings, mate? I mean, you see people get really both nervous and surprised. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the way we do it here is that when people come in and they want for personal training or even programming if they come in person for a meeting, yeah. they go through that performance sheet yeah. where we kind of sit down and they almost have to sign a contract, <laughs> yeah. sort of, um, an unofficial contract that, you know, they're going to commit to whatever they're going to say now yeah. so that they they won't just, you know, f- f- put put out like 20 different goals and dreams yeah. and then, 
aspirations like they're gonna put exactly what they want yeah and we're gonna help them go get it exactly um so yeah i think there's a lot of different you know facial expressions and you know odd reactions and yeah yeah you kind of catch sometimes i see the people come in and they haven't even fought it through like they want to do this and that and then they're like oh wait like i want to go to the cross regionals all right well are you ready to do whatever like three sessions of 90 minute slow row a week like at 5 a.m in the morning are you you ready to hit your wall your head against the wall and like this (laughs) exercise you ready to do you know, two hours of mobility a week, yeah. you, like all those kind of things. I think some some of the goals, and without putting people down and sounding negative on people, some of the goals are just like you said that they're, they're just not really fought fought through well enough. Yeah, especially when it comes to something like CrossFit. I think running is a little bit different, and endurance sport is a little bit different. That okay, you want to get to a marathon. It's it's actually, and I've spoken about this before, but it's not your rite of passage to just go out and run a marathon. Your rite of passage goes run 1K, tick, run 5K, tick, run 10K, tick, 21K half marathon, you've got it. Then we can put, put you up to a, a real marathon. And it's not about us trying to prolong the period, but anyone can go and run a marathon today. We want to get people to run that marathon in the right way. Yeah. So it's sort of really understanding what the steps are. And I think CrossFit is definitely... A lot, lot more complicated. And, and why is that? Is that? I mean, assumingly, that's because CrossFit is a new sport, and we don't know yet exactly what it takes. Yeah. And also, because in general, competition in CrossFit is very easy to access. Yes, I guess. And yeah, but as well, when when I think, and it's just come out sort of recently, the changes in the CrossFit competition. The CrossFit competition is constantly changing. You know, the first year that they put something like handstand walk in, people were freaking out, like, oh, how could they possibly do that? And then, you know, so it is what CrossFit says that you need to be ready for the unknown, the unknowable. So it's really hard, like, and I think that's psychologically or mentally, same, same. What is very difficult for people is that we might sit down and we'll go through and we'll go, well, I can see for the last six years, this is what's come up in CrossFit, be it the Open, be it Regionals. We'll break down the workouts. We have all that data and we know generally what you need to be good at. And I'm going to train you. I'm going to train you in those things. Yeah. 2017 comes around and something that's been in CrossFit for the last six years, which is a barbell movement, which everyone loves to do, snatch, clean and jerk, something with a barbell. Yep. You don't even see a barbell in regionals. So it's crazy. It, it, it's absolutely crazy, mate. And I think, I think that's probably one of the, like I say, the hardest mental thing for people to wrap their heads around when they say they want to prepare for CrossFit, when they want to be programmed for CrossFit, is that I'm going to give you this program to the best of my ability with all the knowledge I have with the last sort of six to seven years of competition under my belt. and But beware that maybe this will, there'll be something that I just have never thought of that will come up and could just completely take you out of the game. Yeah, yeah, we might be wrong because it's, it's a chaos where it's a sport full of chaos. Like yeah. we don't know what's coming so we can only assume based on previous events yeah. and what the trends are. Yeah. And often, I guess in CrossFit, they almost sort of expose what's going to happen in the future in other events, such as like invitationals, like yep. they said. You know, now we're going to make a 
four people teams instead of six people teams. Yeah. As have, we have, you know, tried it out at Invitationals and it seems to be working super well. Yeah, right. Um, so I think, you know. So that's what they did. So the Invitational this year or in previous has so always been four people. No, three years ago it was six people. Got it. And then two years ago they changed it to four people teams. Yeah. Um, based on just testing, they wanted to see if they could, you know, be more innovative with the events. Yeah. How the spectator kind of experience would be, how the athlete experience would be, and how the whole organization uh, experience would be. Yeah. And throughout the last two years, I mean, they've been able to do a lot more broad testing, a lot more exciting testing. Where right. It doesn't require six people. It's quite, you know, a lot of athletes on the floor at the same time. It's Plus, like, organizational-wise, yeah. it's just it's just a mess, man. Like, yeah, it is The equipment you need. And uh, an invitational is pretty simple because there's only four teams. Yeah. But if we talk at, like, CrossFit Regionals where you're going to have 12 teams in one heat, like, the yeah. spectators are just confused. The athletes are confused. And people on the floor. You need 30 judges on the floor, too. Yeah, and yeah. it's just one big mess. So yeah, it is a mess. I definitely think this new format is going to be really interesting, especially from the programming side. Yep. You can do a lot more, like, exciting things yeah. with four people instead of six. Yeah, I absolutely agree, mate. It's uh, it's, it's going to change a lot. But let's get let's get back to it. So yeah. we sort of told the, the client that, it's a CrossFit client, and 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 this is. We'll go through a couple of different scenarios here. We, we've just walked into a, a meeting with a guy with a CrossFit client. So you sort of said to him, "Okay, everything I can do, everything in my knowledge, but something might come up." And he's like, "Cool, I'm willing to sign. I'm all good. Yeah, I trust you." How do you build a program, mate? Because I think that's what that's what is interesting for people. Hopefully, anyway. So first, you need to assess their background, their right. sports background, because that's going to play a huge factor. In first of all, their abilities and how the program will be structured. Let's say we have a former gymnast. I mean, that's going to make a massive change on the program from just knowing that little fact. Yeah. We might need to spend less time on, you know, basic gymnastic movements, and they can spend more time on the more advanced stuff or more time on weightlifting, as they might be worse than that. Um, then we need to look at their injury background or current injuries. Yeah. To set up the program, so if we know they have had nickels, if we need to do some sort of prehab or rehab stuff, or if we need to work around things. Once all of those things are kind of, you know, set in stone in that meeting, yeah, we will now walk the athlete or the client through an assessment that can either be online or in person, ideally right. in person, where the client will go through, for me, a movement assessment where they'll go through loads of. Um, upper body stuff, lower body stuff, and then some more integrated stuff where we actually see them move. Right. Um, so, you know, an upper body movement to test, you know, whatever shoulder flexion could just be to put the hand up against the wall, stand really close to the wall, and try to lift the hand off as far as you can right. to get as far behind your ears as possible. Yep. That could be, like, a more specific test, whereas if we look at a more integrated test, we could look at, how does an overhead squad look in this client? Right. Um, so we look at them separately and together. Yeah. And that's the movement side. Then we can look at the briefing mechanics. We yep. can look at how a client tests on different briefing tests. It could be a um, breath max breath hold right. or breath retention, yep. either after exhale or after a full inhale. Right. Um, if there's any really bad scores and now we might have to put in specific briefing work right um, because there might be some limitations there yep and 
then I would look at more specific movement mechanics like half them snatch, yeah. half them do pull-ups, half yeah. them do a muscle-up, half them do a handstand hold, all those kind of things. So we look at the more sport-specific things that will are required in yeah. the sport to excel. So stuff that's likely to come up. So, yeah. okay, we know that there's going to be pull-ups in or we know that there's going to be muscle-ups yeah. in. We're pretty sure like they've come up every damn time. Exactly. Like, let's have a look. How many pull-ups can you do unbroken? Yeah. How many chest bars can you do unbroken? How many muscle-ups or how long does it take? And I think that's one thing that's quite good about CrossFit is there's, you know, it's a, it's a common workout for CrossFit competitors, 30 muscle-ups for time. Like everyone knows how long it takes yeah. them uh, or how much is, is your snatch. Let's have a look at that. And So all of those movements that I would say they're more the traditional stuff that's come up, mate, but yeah. at least to set benchmarks in what's going on there. Exactly. Benchmarks yeah. is the key word. Like that kind of gets into the next thing, which is testing. Yep. You want to test all these benchmarks because in CrossFit we actually have loads of data. We have loads of measurable, repeatable, observable workouts. Yep. Which means that if we have that workout you spoke about, 30 muscle-ups of time, yes. that's super easy to retest. Right. And you can see, all right, you want to make it to regionals, let's look at what the average regionals time athlete for that 30 ring, 30 ring muscle-ups yeah. would be. Yeah, exactly. And you can just see, and you can do that with everything, 5K row, 2K row, Fran test, whatever. You can retest everything. When you do the testing, it's kind of like an exploration Right. You're exploring where this client is good and bad. You're, you're exploring their weaknesses and their strengths. Right. From that, you will assess them. And that could be simply like, okay, we look at your friend time. It sucks. But you can do 100 <laughs> pull-ups unbroken and you can do 100 thrusters unbroken. But when pull-ups and thrusters together, you're lacking something. Right. Then we can look at, you know, like it can be a weakness combination stuff like that it can be the duration it can be quite a lot of things but more specifically it can be how you move in a certain movement like let's take the thruster yeah like i struggled a lot with thruster workouts but i would be great in very similar workouts just not with thrusters and we realized that my briefing mechanics in the thruster were just not good enough i didn't know how to breathe in the different positions with other clients you might realize you know their angle mobility is just a it's not good enough, yeah. which means their torso will tilt a little bit more forward. Each rep will just get unnecessary hard. Right. So that's what I mean about specific testing on the movements. Um, once you have assessed the exact like limiter in the movement, you can now attack it. Right. So you have addressed limitations, and now you get to work on them. Yeah. Then from there, I would create the template. So I would create the structure of their programming. Typically, depending on the athlete, if it's just like an overall, I just want to get better, then it's a little bit, it's a lot less of a (laughs) planning. If we're looking at a client who wants to make it to the regionals, I think you would typically sit down and plan out the whole season. Right. So let's say, you know, it's it's November now and regionals is going to be in May. And, you know, they have to go through the open, etc. Yeah. Then you can look at some, you know, overloading phases, some loading, some deloading. You can right. be looking at, you know, you want to prepare them for May. Okay. How do you prepare them for May? Well, so to peak at regionals, yeah. right? So peaking phases, deload phases. Yeah. You want to plan out the whole season because to make certain adaptions, we need to go through certain phases. Yep. Sort of. I mean, we don't. I don't believe that we can go through, like, just a strength cycle and then a cardio cycle, and that would be fine. Yeah. Because CrossFit is such 
a chaotic sport. So, but you can still implement sort of small strength cycles, but as long as they're incorporated with you know other stuff that we need to prepare for in CrossFit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like you know peak deload strength, sport specific so cycles. People are now thinking. Holy schmoses, I didn't quite realize how complicated yeah. programming for CrossFit really is. Yeah. We haven't even spoken about the time commitment that you might want to put in there, but yeah. that's that's a really a really in-depth or not in-depth, a very normal analysis of what we look at when someone comes for competition yeah. crossfit programming it is very in-depth and like you say i think one of one of the things that's that really resonates in there and that stands out for me is is you know your your difficulty in cycling thrusters when it's combined with something else is put down to a breathing difficulty you've got incredible endurance you've got you know you're good in all these different areas you're strong in this but then when thrusters come up and it's coupled with something else you sort of fall apart and you manage to pinpoint it so that shows how we're able to break down performance in those areas so that's probably about three percent of the population yep Let's now address, and I said that we'd take care of all the different parts of the population, so I think it's important that we do. Let's now address someone that, how do you, how do you program for someone, mate, that has been, let's go right to the other end of the scale, that has not been active, and folks, you could be one of them, you might not actually believe it, but we get people walking in the gym, and we'll sit down, that sheet that Andre spoke about first up there, and we'll say, what physical activity have you been doing? And they could, we could figure out from the sheet from their date of birth that they're 43 years old. And they may not have done, listen to this very carefully, they may not have done any constant, regular physical activity since when they left school. And some of them have left school at 16. So it could be over 20 years since someone has been exposed. This is not unusual, right, mate? I'm not no, just no, making no. this up. This, is, this actually happens. It could be. 20 years or more, plus or minus, where someone has not done any regular physical activity. They need a program. They need a solution. They need something that helps them. How do you go about those people? So with those people, it's actually quite a similar setup. You know, like you still go through the goal setting, the background, the injuries. Yeah. You still go through the assessment, the movement stuff. You know, just seeing, especially if they've been inactive for that long, you can almost be guaranteed that they'll have some movement faults yeah. that are pretty, like, dramatic. Yeah, and right. if you just start them on, a, like, a class program or a normal program, yeah. they might not be ready at all for any of these movements, both intensity-wise, but yeah. also just mechanics-wise. The, yeah. the, the body can't just go from doing nothing into start doing it's perfect thrusters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest things. So like yeah. going through that movement assessment, yeah. just like we do with newer, newer clients Absolutely. for our funda fundamentals, for fundamentals program. Yeah. Yeah. Like just taking them through basic movements, seeing like simple stuff like how is their body awareness? Like, yeah. Because that's almost the biggest actually. Because I think, I think if the body is awareness is bad, man, like yeah. they're not going to pick up new movements. Like if you tell them snatch, they don't even know what that means. Yeah. And if they already don't know how to move their own body and then have to try to learn snatch, it's like... They're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I mean, this is, mate, this is, this is reality, reality, folks. This is what happens. You, you get someone and you put a kettlebell in front of them. You're like, right, you're going to put two hands on that kettlebell. I want you to make your back straight. They have no idea what that even means. They'll round their back. 
Like this is reality. This is actually yeah. how it happens. So when 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 we talk about programming, writing programs, people, all these things come into it. And I think the fir- the first thing in, in all of it is just checking how these people actually actually move. So that's that's kind of the other end of the spectrum. And, and from there, we'll move people. We'll we'll start to build on what we have to work with. I think that's I think that's what's important as well. You might get someone who's been relatively inactive coming in and say, yeah, I've just seen the CrossFit Games. I want to be able to do pull-ups, this, that, or the other. I would never start to work on something with someone that is completely not working. So, nope. so by that I mean, if they can't get their if they can't get their hands overhead or their shoulder back and and their arms straight, I actually can't put them safely in a pull up position. So we start to work on the things that are somehow working, make them a lot better, and then slowly introduce yeah. th- those other things. Now, mate, if we if we move, we've done sort of both ends of the spectrum there. Let's take the biggest chunk of what we're seeing. Yeah. Which, let's build a little bit of stereotype here. We've got someone who's been coming to a class program, be it ours or be it someone else's, and they want to get a little bit better. They want to just, and, and <laughs> that's pretty much the brief that we get from a lot of people. Yeah. I just, just want to be a bit better. What's the stages and what can they expect and how do you break that down to build on what they're doing? Given that these people might only still have those five hours a week where they'd come to a normal class? I think for, for CrossFit clients who come for CrossFit programming, which is some, some stuff we do and a lot of other gyms are, are doing, is that they need to take a step back and look and work in their skills. Right. Um, so if your gym have a speciality class such as gymnastics and weightlifting like we do, and like I assume most gyms have, yeah, I think you should definitely start going into these classes because I think what goes through their head when they say I want to get a little bit better yeah. it means do better on the workouts most right. often workouts are won and lost in the skills at least to some extent Yeah, like you can be as fit as you want but if there's chest to bar pull ups and you can you can only do one by one then it doesn't matter how great you're feeling when you get to them because you still have to do one by one and the guy who's super tired and out of shape can still do 20 in a row because right. he just moves super well. Um, yeah. So if, I think it just come da- comes down to, you know, looking at efficiency in movements and just look like realizing where are your biggest limitations, which movements do you struggle most with or feel most uncomfortable with. And for most people, that's the gymnastic movements or the weightlifting movements. Yeah. Most often gymnastic movements because that's where... I guess the separ- separator will be largest because you can't mong through <laughs> gymnastics the same way you can mong through weightlifting if you ask me like gymnastics yeah. takes like f- and f- a little bit of finesse and a bit of can you elaborate a bit on that for us mate <laughs> yeah like I think gymnastic takes you can't no matter how mong strong you are and like how, hang on a second this is a good one how do you define mong strong don't say you <laughs> um if it can't say you well <laughs> somebody who is strong enough to get the work done but yeah. with absolutely the worst efficiency ever right which means they have to put in so much I effort it's very insulting they have to put in a lot of effort yeah. for a very simple movement yeah um and they can only get it done due to their massive overcompensation of strength Just in the movement brute strength yeah eh? yeah 
Um, and that's, we often see common. that like in weightlifting, like high rep muscle snatches and, you know, people who can muscle snatch more than they can squat snatch, for example. Yeah. Um, I think that's cl- quite typical, unfortunately. For, um, yeah. But you won't see anyone like you can maybe do 20 strict pull-ups, but if you can't, you don't know how to do kipping pull-ups, then there's just no in between. Yeah. If you don't know how to do a perfect snatch, well... You can still get the reps done, rep by rep. Yeah. But, you you know, with muscle-ups and those kind of things, like, it doesn't matter how strong you are. If you don't know how to do the movement, then yeah. you can't just figure it out in one go. Right. Um, unless you're a very, very quick learner. Um, <laughs> the life of a monster. So, so I think definitely gymnastics is where, is where you can make the biggest improvements. Yeah. And... Honestly, mobility work. It's not here. We it, go. It's not a plug, but <laughs> I was going to lead us into this, but you just shamelessly <laughs> plug in your own programs. But I mean, if you look at so many like movements, like oh, you you can't do a squat snatch. You can't do an overhead yeah. squat. You can go to weightlifting seven days a week if you want to, but yeah. that's not necessarily going to make it that much better. It's going to make it better, but a lot slower, right? Yeah. Like yeah. of course, forcing yourself into the position yeah. is good and. You know, practicing the movements, but if you're simply so limited physically, yes, like range of motion wise, then the like you might just get injured, like yeah, yeah, and or it will take one year before yeah. you can pass yeah. down your first overhead squat. Yeah, yeah. So and you're not gonna be patient enough to wait one year. You no. will start loading the bar, and then your shoulder's gonna hurt, and then yeah. you're gonna keep going, and then you're gonna realize after three months that it's too late. So I definitely think that you know working on the movements like taking one step back yep looking at okay like a thruster empty barbell let me see a perfect rep right like can we make this rep better yes okay we can all right we fix your angle mobility you can now sit so much more upright in your squad which will result in you being able to breathe a lot easier and load your back a lot less which yeah. makes the movement all of a sudden only half the kind of half the half the effort. demanding yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not having to put like, as much effort in when yeah. we look at a great like great separation from good to great it, it's not that they have better you know capacity or better this or better that they just it's have like, more efficiency these guys are just more efficient like yeah. every time you do 10 reps they can do 20 with the same effort yeah, yeah. simple that's why they don't get tired done yeah, it's, you can do all the conditioning you want but to yeah. some extent mechanics and 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 efficiency in the movements are the limiter and overall for all programming yeah. I think this is the biggest missing component yeah I think there's so many people following online programs out there which I do myself and I support 100% yeah but I think it's so important that you get some one-on-one coaching with someone who mm. can help you like even my coach lives abroad but yeah. I send him videos yeah. pretty much like every week like yeah. almost every day yeah. And he gives me feedback, like small things yeah. that I didn't know myself, and it makes the world of a difference. Absolutely, man. And that's, I mean, when when I'm sort of working with people online, coaching, be it on CrossFit movements, will I'd always sort of demand that of people because you cannot see. And I think I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people are making. People are taking an online program and then they're doing it, but they're doing it so badly, and they have such a limited interaction with a coach that they're never there to you know it it takes for a coach it takes a lot of time and that's why good online coaching should be really expensive if you have an online coach that's cheap then 
it's not a good program. No. You know, you, you've just taken, you might as well just go over to a website like ours, com, or hop over to, <laughs> screw it, like someone like Invictus and just take their class program. Yeah. You know, because you're just doing a CrossFit program and you're doing it badly. You know, whereas if you're going to have a proper coach who's going to coach you online, who's going to write a program for you, he needs to see what you're doing, how you're moving and, yeah. and how it's going. Unless it's an, it, unless it's an out and out sort of, conditioning based like program running program like you could see a few videos of them running and that would be kind of it and then you can make the program yeah don't exactly there's there's one movement yeah but that i think that's somewhere where there's you know within crossfit there's a massive disconnection as well that people are just not seeing that and they're not getting that feedback let's jump over to more of the engine building side and the endurance capacity because that's obviously it's all very good to be able to move well, but then we need to move for long times. And we program yeah. long workouts. We program 40-minute workouts. And, mate, I, w- I want to kick it off because picking up on something you, you said before, like, are you willing to do 90-minute row sessions three times a week, literally at, you know, at a steady state at 55 to 65% heart rate, just looking at a blank wall? You know, And people will say, I want to. And for me, that, that really is a part of fitness. Okay. You can measure your fitness by the number of pull-ups you can do in a minute, and by fixing those positions that we've said, you can do that. But yeah. if you want to have a rounded fitness game, you're going to need to do that basic, like the very, very straightforward stuff. And yeah. I think that's where I also think that's where people are not willing to put in the time. And it's actually incredibly. It's not very hard physically. I mean, do you find rowing for 90 minutes at 130 beats hard? No. Boring. It's just boring. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I al- always get this question, like, what do you think about? Like, I yeah. hate it because I don't know what to think about. Y- you don't. Yeah. You just <laughs> yeah. don't think. Yeah. yeah. Like, you just have, you, I think eventually you learn to zone out. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not even there. Like, me- like you're not present almost. Yeah, it's, it is. To very, some extent. It's, it's a very interesting one. And I think it's actually quite difficult to describe to people because you can't, like, you know, I can... I can ride my bike for five or six hours and I've thought of a thousand different things, you know, but did I do, do I have a plan of when I going out to ride my bike for five or six hours, what I'm going to think about? No, you just sort of start to think. And I think this is where people are a little bit too, I don't know if uptight's the right word, but I'll use it. They're a bit uptight. They're like, okay, I'm going to row for 90 minutes. Like, what am I going to do in that 90 minutes? It's like, this is not the cinema. This is not entertainment. Mate, we used to be entertained all the time with <laughs> our phones. So exactly. I think if people are put for that long, like, they can do it in a workout for 15 minutes. But yeah. when you're put for three hours in a bike and yeah. you just have to look out, you know, in the desert down on your wheels, yeah. it's like... Uh, you focus on some like, different things. I'm not used to being alone in yeah. my head right now. Yeah. I, I'm, You know, you're always occupied with either somebody in front of you or your phone or your iPad and all yeah. of a sudden you're there alone and your mind's going to go wild. And I think that's why that not only low intensity, long endurance session, sessions to build aerobic capacity are not only beneficial for your conditioning, but they're massively beneficial for your mind. Yeah. Because if it's, like, if it's like a 15 or 20 minute AMRAP, some people would go like, oh my God, it's 15 or 20 minutes. It's so long. I'm used to doing Fran. It's over in three minutes and I have to suffer for so much longer. And they're like, you know, okay, just give me a 12-hour run if you want. Like, I'm, I'm quite relaxed yeah. for that because, you know, I, I've, done, I've done some ultras that last for five days. 
You know, and it's like when you stop running, you sit and wait to run again. So I think people struggle to understand what that 90 minute session will do to their friend time. Yeah. And yeah. that's the main issue. That's another really interesting they, point as well. They, they, they see that in a program or see yeah. three hour bike ride, like, yeah, but uh, in the open, uh, most of the workouts are under 20 minutes. W- yeah. What is it going to help me to do a 90 minute? Yeah. Like, but that's when you need to, you know, get nerdy, get a coach or re- do your own research. Like, understand what that aerobic work actually does to you. Like, makes your recovery between your sessions a lot better. It makes your, you know, respiratory system a lot better. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of benefits, like, from that kind of training. And there's always an intention behind it. Yes, exactly. It doesn't mean that you don't have to do the three-minute interval as well. But yeah. you need to tap into all to all those energy systems, the longer ones, the shorter ones, because they will all benefit each other in an integrated system. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that's, that's probably what people are not really getting. There's a purpose for every type of session and all of the different sessions that you go through, like there's a reason, let's jump back to the class program that we have here in a fight. There's a reason why some days it's a 40-minute EMOM of 40 seconds work, 20 seconds rest, bike, ski, row, double unders. Yeah. It's very simple. You might not be very sore the next day. You might only, you know, you, your heart rate's going to be high if you push, but you're not going to get the same feeling as though you're doing the current challenge 100 uh, 150 unbroken wall balls but that is there for a reason to make you better in all these other areas and yeah. and to improve that will indirectly improve those times and i think that's where people sort of skip a little bit of a beat and almost sometimes cherry pick workouts as well yeah. i actually see it when people uh, do like take online programming and I, i've had a couple of clients in the past don't work with them anymore that like cherry pick the workouts that i wrote for them in, in an online program doesn't and it's work. like, why are, you, why are you not doing that? Oh, I didn't quite have time and da 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 da, da. And it's like, but that's, that could be one of the most important parts of the week. So yeah. I think time, definitely time in, in, in those zones and time training in all of the different domains, yeah. no matter what sport you're doing. It's, it's exactly the same in, in, in hopping back to endurance. Like, it's not all super long. No. We have, we have a lot of very short stuff that we use, threshold building stuff we want you know we have vo2 sessions that are an hour long that are you know you could do eight sets of three minutes at 120 percent effort i'll explain another time how you get 120 percent effort but you do and with a six minute rest so yeah. four minutes on six minutes off you know something like that that would be that actually would be only about five sets so I, 50 minutes i think that's a massive takeaway because especially with running because it's so easy accessible yeah you know Often we see clients or people who want to run a marathon, yeah. and then they just start running by themselves. Like they'll just jump out and do you know a five or ten k, yeah. and they haven't done anything before. Like yeah. I've actually never run more than five k. So the other night I had to do like sixty minute low heart rate session. So I ran ten k, right? And How honestly, <laughs> my joints, like my knees and yeah. ankles, were sore. Yeah, we I was could. just thinking. The clients like that train way less, yeah. are way less conditioning to do this. Just jump out and do a 10k. Like yep. that can't be that good. Like it can't be good. No. Like so, I really think if you're a runner out there, like programming is really important for you too. Even yeah. though it's such a simple sport, 
Yeah. And shorter interval stuff based stuff can make massive benefits. That's how I start with a lot of people. It's it's quite you know it's super simple. They do they could do thirty minutes of on the minute run a hundred meters. That's all it would be. Lap your Garmin every time you do 100 meters. Let me have a look at that. Let's see how let's see how that works. Some of one of the programs I'm training a few guys, uh, two guys together who are following the same program at the moment to get ready for a marathon. It was 10 last week. 10 sets, two minutes on, one minute off. In the two minutes on, all I want is sub 5k pace. Done. That's it. And they look at it and go, "This is really easy." Instead of going, and this is the other side of it, mate. This, the psychological side is instead of looking at it and going, "Oh, I have to run." I have to run 8K tonight and it's going to be so boring and it's going to take 40 minutes. They look at it and they go, 10 sets, two minutes on, one minute off. I'm only working two thirds of the time. I get a third rest. You see their training peaks the day after. Oh my God, that was the hardest session I've ever done. Couldn't hold it. They start out and they run 430s for the first (laughs) lots of two. And I'm like, I can see it. It's going to end because I go through and I look at the laps and it's like 430, 435, 440, 451, 457. By the fifth one, we're at 502 already and they just can't hold it on. So it's actually those things and preparing the body to adapt to those different environments and and, and to the different things, I think, is something that is massively overlooked by people. And those sessions will get hard. Those one-hour sessions, the first two or three sets might not be that hard. Just damn well enjoy it because... I can guarantee you it's going to... Later on, it will be. It's going to really, really pump up. So, mate, I think, I think that pretty much wraps up a lot about programming and about different things that, that, that we look out for. Any final thoughts, mate, that you want to share Actually, with people? I have one. I think for a client's perspective, I think transparency is the most important factor uh, for yeah. a coach and client perspective. Yeah. Like, you kind of bridge that gap between the client and the coach yeah. with training peaks because yes. they upload their results directly but yeah. in CrossFit it's a bit more complicated since course, yeah. we have a lot more you know movements and, st- and workouts and That's stuff like true. that yeah. Yeah. so I just think you know always be transparent always know that you know some days will be good some days will be bad yeah. and some days something might hurt and you shouldn't do what's in the program or you should ask your coach to change it yeah I think like, be transparent yeah. and don't, you know, don't be a hero. Yeah. And, then, mate, it's absolutely true. Like, a, a lot of people, not a, not a lot, but, you know, some, some people that I work with, they'll be like, oh, today is, uh, today is such and such and such and such. Like, life is like that. And I'll, okay, I'll just move that session yeah. for you. We'll just move it to the next day. If they come the next day and go, you know, you've got two strikes and you're out. Yeah. But, you know, you've got flu. No problem. Yeah. You know, I can see you've got flu. I can see it in, in, in your training peaks. I can see all the different issues coming up. So, you know, we try that transparency. What I'm saying is that transparency is, is really key yeah. to for us to keep on helping you. If you're being an outright pussy and you're just, you know, you're just sandbagging sessions or you've just seen it and you, you don't like the look of it, then you're being an outright pussy and you won't get any better. And yeah. I probably won't coach you for very long anyway. Exactly. But that honesty to say, you know, like I've had a really tough week at work and I might just change it. I might say, okay, no problem. That, that pacing, two minutes on, one minute off pace, instead of five minutes, okay, I just want 5.30. Yeah. Because I know that it's going to make you a better person if you've had a tough week at work. We've all had tough weeks at work. Of course. Every week is hard at work here. You know, <laughs> the reality is. So you're just going to get out and do it. But if you don't have that transparency and you don't have that open relationship, sometimes I'll call people out and I'll say, you've just been soft. 
But a lot of the time, I, I sort of understand because it's real and it's life, and we try and make things work. So yeah. I think that the feedback loop that we have from endurance with Training Peaks is is super good. And I don't use it for programming for CrossFit people because it's it's a little bit it you don't get that data and it doesn't really work yeah. quite that well. But for endurance, it's it's super good. So yeah. There we go. Yeah, I think that's it. That's been programming, folks. If you like the show, go and rate it. We want to be the best health and fitness podcast in the world. And to do that, we need your help and support. Yeah. We need your questions to keep coming in, winning it in a fight.com. We need you to share it with your friends. And if you didn't like parts of the show, please mail us. Tell us what you need more of. Whatever focus topics, please keep listening. Whatever focus topics you want to hear, just let us know. We'll try and address them. And if we don't know anything about them, we'll do a truckload of research and we'll put it on in a few months when yep. we've educated ourselves. That's the best almost. That is the best. This has been the Inner Fight Health and Fitness Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank you, Andre. Thank you.